Hello listeners it's been forever uh and we are back everybody's eats is officially back and don't uh don't mistake this for another podcast you did just hear some music at the beginning which means that we have some music for the time being which is good news for me and my co-host today Alex Collins Alex how's it going Yeah that's the reason that we we took such a break we had to find the right song and yeah now we now we're here so it's good to be back How you know that? It is good. It's good to be back. Yeah, it's been a it's been a long summer. Um a lot has happened um in both of our personal lives and obviously in the life of Ligon uh as a whole. Uh but we're all, we're here to discuss it all today. And um yeah, it should be should be a fun pod. How's how's your summer been, Alex? Been busy. Lots of lots of theses. Well, just one thesis to be honest, but lots of work on on that one thesis and I know you you've just been partying in in India from wedding to wedding so Oh yeah yeah that's yeah. that's that's the way I One am. of us has actually been doing real work but it's it is what it is <laughs> <laughs> Yeah Alex has been working really hard if he thinks one no, thesis is is the work of multiple theses you can tell <laughs> that he's been working really hard or I'm just very slow <laughs> But yes or what, what are we getting into today Nanad Okay so I I think it's it's best if we talk about um some transfers Alex uh, I know we discussed that we'll pick some some of our favorite transfers so far this uh, transfer window and there's been plenty already um not the least from Paris Saint-Germain who we'll come to discuss later but uh do you want to kick us off with uh, with the very first of your uh, transfers this uh, from this window Alex Sure. I should preface all of this by saying that I think Nenad and I have been known to do a lot of work, put a lot of work into each one of our our pods so far and this is by far the least prepared we've ever been, but we kind of felt like we needed to dip our toe back into it at some point. So it's a it's a more casual one. Hopefully you guys enjoy. But yeah, so my first of the three transfers that we're excited about, I decided to go a little bit more mainstream i guess and i went for jeremy boga i think he's been linked with a ligon move for a long time now um to lyon actually for a long time but he's finally here with now with nice and yeah i'm just excited to see how he he does he's a big name um there was there was a time when he was getting linked to to clubs like chelsea uh, chelsea return and even arsenal if i remember correctly so yeah so he's quite a big deal um for Nice to get at about 18 million should be a definite starter uh, of course and yeah i'm just excited to see what he does i think maybe a little bit less of an interesting take on this one but he's a big player and and a, a big move for the league itself um and yeah especially under Farioli i'm excited to see who i'm not that you know not that familiar with yet but i know that there's a lot of hype around Farioli i'm i'm excited to see how they come together and there's obviously guys like Morphy that he can combine with and Kevin Thuram still there to Debo still there so so he's adding to a already quite a strong spine yeah for sure i think there's already uh, like you said a pre-existing crop of players there and boga definitely has Indeed, to that there's a pre-existing crop of players at at the football club these <laughs> He's not the first, but yeah. He's not the first. He's not the very first. But yeah, he is he's joining a very um potentially exciting group of players. uh if they manage to keep Turam beyond the summer and if they manage to keep Toribo it would be interesting to see and of course we at the pod we will be 
covering Farioli in more detail as the as the season goes on, and hopefully that will make for some interesting future pods. Uh, but for my first pick, um, before I, before I go there, just to stress on what Alex talked about earlier about the casualness of the pod, we just woke up an hour ago with both of us, so you just really have to understand how how laid back we are about uh, about this particular episode and i hope that comes across <laughs> in the way we are discussing these players no uh, not once you to know that normally we get up we spend 3 hours meditating we go for our runs just to get mentally in the zone to do to do in everybody's eats today we've just woken up so literally yeah. <laughs> is there is there is there a better way to do this i don't think so but anyway talking about uh, my first pick i think it's difficult to look past um Gonzalo Ramos as uh, one of uh, one of the transfers that might come to define Paris Saint-Germain's summer especially in the context of Kylian Mbappe's uncertain future we still don't know where he's going um the rumor mill has sort of gone cold on him like we don't even know if he's agreed like you know if if Madrid are trying to get him this summer or if he's still trying to manufacture a move to Saudi for 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 a season or so we don't know we don't know where he's going to be but in light of that i think bringing in gonzalo ramos is an excellent move from paris saint-germain uh, for an initial fee of 65 million euros i think with 15 million in add-on uh, in add-ons <clears throat> and when you put this fee in the context of what manchester united paid for rasmus hoyland i think it comes across as a really good deal for a player who has a great deal of upside he's really young has had a couple of seasons at benfica where he's really shown himself to be the top of the crop of of these young strikers and yeah just a very thoroughly exciting player who's on the brink of i think becoming that next poster boy of the of this uh, future generation of players when you look at how he's done for portugal at at the most recent world cup obviously filling into cristiano ronaldo's shoes effortlessly almost and uh, then yeah now he's coming to liga and hopefully going to be Uh, well now hopefully but he'll probably be uh, paris saint germain's uh, number 9 for the next decade or so if all goes well so yeah you think he's a good fit for for psg well that that i think is is a is is, is an interesting one for sure um i think in terms of his quality he's, he's quite a f- more for front foot player uh at least you know as compared to how psg forwards have been in the past you know the likes of Zlatan and what not Cavani never really played as centrally as much so um so yeah i i think i think Luis Enrique might make it work with him in a way that um, it it could serve his qualities well like you know we've we've seen how he did with Suarez and Neymar and Messi together and i'm interested to see what kind of of you know a, a trio if he does form an attacking trio who partners Gonzalo Ramos up top uh, because Ramos himself is not as much of a uh, uh, is not as much of uh, how do i put this he's not as much of a value player in possession of the ball so out of possession he gives you a lot but his strengths really come alive in the box right that's that's what he is he is a finisher he's he is a bit of a throwback but also a bit of a modern sort of number 9 so in those senses i think as a star player as a marquee presence up front he he will fit the bill and he will provide what paris saint-germain fans expect of him but in terms of the fit for the system remains to be seen i think i think we'll we'll know more about how well he'll do as the as the season goes on so so yeah that's as consolar ramos 
Yeah, I mean, I can definitely see it. I think they're also going for Osmania, right? So yeah. I, I can kind of, I see how that works nicely together. I guess Neymar on the left. Um, I really don't know the future of Neymar or obviously Mbappe at the moment, but it's all up in the yeah, air. I can definitely see how it works together. It's just interesting. Ekitike kind of has similar strengths, right? Um, and if anything, I haven't watched enough of Gonzalo Ramos, so definitely will this season. But I feel like Ekitike has got a little bit more of a hold-up game than, than Gonzalo does, I, I wouldn't so. even say. Yeah. So, so it's an interesting move, um, but I guess it's a very PSG one, the <laughs> latest shining thing. And also, it's a bit different to, to Rasmus Hoyland, right, who they were going for initially. Very weird club. Mm. But yeah, let's move on. Um, my second one, I have to go close to home here because I couldn't resist. I think this is the, the transfer, personally, I'm most excited about. It's definitely Scaly Vero. Um... Joining Lyon from Socha. How do we say that? Yeah. yeah. Joining. <laughs> this is a French podcast and we don't know how to pronounce that. You know what? We'll skip over it. Joining Lyon from for Socha. I think Socha is. Socha. Yeah. yeah. You know what? Let's move on. <laughs> joining joining um, Lyon for 4 million. Um, I'm, I'm, where he fits in is still to be seen. He's not really that defensive midfielder that we. I think went into the window needing, but he's also a really good market opportunity. I think it's some of the best business Lyon does and has done over the past 10, 15 years is when they buy from League Two, League Deux, um, you know, some of the rising talent then. He he absolutely is one of the best young talents coming out of that that league. Um in terms of play style, he he's very much from what I've what I've caught of him since we've signed him. Reminds me a lot of Abu Diaby. I mean, he's also huge. He's like over 200 centimeters. He's absolutely massive, but then he's got the, that tight, close control to be able to move through traffic, um, can really spread his legs. He's also a good ball winner. I think still needs to really develop the positional elements of the game. I don't see him as a, as a six so much as an eight. But yeah, I'm very, I'm very excited. And I think he is kind of, in a way, that style of player that I always love watching. Some of my favorite players are like, Abu Dhabi, Kelvin Stang, and you know even Barcola. What they all have in, in common is those like long limbs, but being able to control in tight spaces. I mean, for Barcola, that's a recent development beforehand. And look, he looked like Bambi on ice, but <laughs> but especially the other two, like being able to really navigate with those long limbs through tight crowds, and and that's what Scaly looks like. So I'm excited for him very much. So, and yeah, I think he should get good minutes for us this season. Nice, yeah. Bambi on ice is a lovely way to describe Barcola. But yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited for Alvaro. I think what, from what I've seen of him on on comps on on Twitter, and obviously you've seen more than that. Um, yeah, he seems like a very interesting profile. Like you said, those long limbs and combine that with his technical ability really make him an interesting player to watch. So yeah, excited to see how how his time at Lyon goes. Now talking about my second uh, second pick uh, for the transfers. I think this is one player who has been a, I'd say almost Champions League level quality player who's been who's just been sitting in the EFL Championship for, for uh, for Watford now for a while. Um, Ismail Saar. So he's moved to Marseille <laughs> for a very modest fee this summer of I'd say around what it's twenty million, fifteen million pounds, so twenty million euro. Um, and yeah, I think he he's a very um, very interesting fit for. For Marcelino, from what we've read about him, he, we know that he is a 4-4-2 coach. Deep block, doesn't press as much. And 
relies more on on these dynamic players like Ismail Assar on the flanks. So th- this is a guy who has more or less been consistent in each of his seasons at Watford in terms of his output. Last season he had what, some 10 goals and 6 assists in the championship. Not a, a mind-blowing return considering the amount of games you play in the championship. But at the same time, you know the quality this player holds. Like, I mean, a couple of seasons ago, Liverpool were in for him. You would see Premier League clubs linked for him. I think Arsenal were in for him at some point as well. Um, so, I mean, that just goes to show this was a, a, a player who the elite sides were really after it at one point. But his hype has since fizzed out, I think, a little bit because obviously better players have come through. Um, and in that sense, I think Marseille's timing of going for him has been it's been quite shrewd. I'm I'm fairly positive about this working out well for for Marseille and uh, for Sar himself. No, I agree. I think it's a it's a really good move. Um, I still think he must he's a really good player. Obviously, I think he's been with Watford now in the Championship. I think that's what's taken the shine off a little bit. And you know, when you get past that certain age, um, that certain age range clubs start looking younger again and I think he's kind of just being caught up by that um I think if he'd pushed for a move when Watford were getting relegated probably would have got one into a really good Premier League club but but yeah I think it's a great move for Marseille I think it's a good move for Saar I really struggle to see this one failing at all especially at the price he's also that sort of dynamic player that does bring you know to wherever he's gonna go he brings a certain thing uh, a certain quality in regardless in which sort of system, right? So so I'm excited to see how he does. And and yeah, I think I think it's a good move. Great. Now do you do you want to give us your, your final pick, Alex? I know we're both really excited for this one, but I'll, I'll let you talk <laughs> about him. <laughs> so when we when we were doing um, you know, setting up our, our each getting to pick three, I was immediately like Dibs Adama Bojang, and that's who I've picked. So so Adama Bojang is my third one. Um, not a player I've watched particularly um much of, but from people like Ronan Manning, friend of the pod, mm-hmm. and Central C, Central CFC, also friend of the pod. They're both huge fans. I've watched, I've watched, you know, some comps and 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 yeah, he's a very very exciting. Oh, I'm sorry, he's joined Stadaran for about how much? Uh, I, I think that's been undisclosed. Undisclosed for look, now, yeah. yeah. we looked on... Yeah, but he's an exciting player. Basically, the replacement then for follower on Balogun. And yeah, I'm excited to see how he does. What it sounds like is, interestingly, is very much... You know, he's got a six foot three frame um, and he's very quick. So you would kind of think that he does really suit that over-the-top sort of game that Stadarant played or... Um, under Will still as particularly for Balogun might not suit Adama Bojang as much as as it did Balogun one of the things he still needs to get better at contesting for aerial duels I think that was true for Balogun too to be honest but then running in behind and getting onto things he's very quick he's a very instinctive finisher really good ball striking um really good in possession too I kind of see him as a, a really good replacement for Balogun especially if he can um, tighten up some some aspects of his game because I think it's also important to say that Will Stills, Rance, who I still like despite them, you know, kind of tailing off at the end of last season, is that they're not just over the top direct the whole time. There's a there's like a 
a really intelligent way in which they they build very quickly through the thirds, which is what we said all the time on our deep dive. But, you know, I think they make use of their wide players coming inside to kind of act as like a facilitator between those. And I think maybe that'll suit um, Bojang a lot. So I'm excited to see how he does. It's also, it's a huge move for him coming from the Gambian League for, for a club called Steve Biko FC, which is close to my heart in, in myself because... One of um, South Africa's greatest political um, figures was Steve Biko. Um, and personally, yeah, I write what I like is something that I've taught a lot. I've read a lot in my university days. So, so yeah, that's a cool move too from that perspective. But I'm very excited to see how he does. And I think I have a feeling he's going to be the breakout star of, um, yeah, of the league this season. Very interesting. Very interesting. I think all the more reason now for for us to be in, invested in in Bojang's development this season. Yeah, I think I think it sh- this should be a good one for for Rans. And he's been he's been he's been like one of many transfers that interesting transfers I should say that they've made this summer. Joseph Okumu from Ghent, Teddy Teoma from Union Saint Gelois, Amin Salama from Angers, uh, Uma Diakite from Salzburg, Radha Khadra from. Brighton, Josh Wilson Ebron from Manchester City on loan, and Ludwig Butel, who is a forty-year-old goalkeeper from from Red Star. So, yeah, lots of lots of interesting moves there, which we will discuss um, in the in the following sections of the pod. So I'll quickly sort of mention my final uh, favorite transfer of the window. It's uh, it's Mohamed Salisu from Southampton for for AS Monaco, uh, who I think is a very very shrewd again a very shrewd signing from from monaco uh to replace uh, the outgoing axel de sassi of course who's just joined chelsea this window um yeah i think saliso fits the bill in a lot of regards for what you want a quintessential league on defender to be he's extremely physical he's comfortable in 1v1 duels can be overly aggressive sometimes but yeah i think he provides a lot in terms of his ability to cover a great deal of defensive volume uh, of of tackles, interceptions, blocks, and what have you. Uh, what I think will be different and what will be interesting to see at, at Monaco is how he switches back to that uh, in-possession style because Monaco generally tend to enjoy a greater deal of the possession during their games. So we've seen in the past that he has the ability to progress the ball with his carries and his passes. So if he's able to switch back to that mode of 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 his his style of play of what it was earlier because Southampton's context of last season was that they were a team struggling uh, at the bottom end of the Premier League and yeah defensively not in a very good position but I think at Monaco obviously he'll be playing alongside uh, a higher quality of players and yeah just um, a, a far better environment I think than than Southampton possibly a bit more stable as well just feels like a very Monaco transfer, I have to say. <laughs> um, no, but I think it, it's some of the it's like representative of some of the best business that they that mm. they do because they also do a lot of weird business at times. But yeah, I think they're getting in a player for cheaper than they should probably, um, and they'll sell them in a couple of years back to the Premier League for, for sure. more than they should probably. Mm. And I think that's <laughs> that's good business for them. So yeah, I'm excited to see how he does. I know. Southampton fans were kind of not fed up with him but disappointed with him by the end and they felt like he never really fully applied himself especially in the you know in the um relegation battle didn't yeah. really want to be there 
but that they always felt that there was a really, really good player when he applied himself. So hopefully we see that at Monaco. For sure, for sure. Uh, now I know we have a couple of uh, honourable mentions each, Alex. Do you want to give us yours first? Yeah, so I think one of the ones that I could see going really well and also breaks my heart, but if he manages to stay fit, I think Umtiti at Lille is just a great deal. If he stays fit, he had a really good time... Um, out on loan in Italy last season, I think. Or who, who was this club again? So he was at, I think it was at um, Lecce, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And they basically called him the greatest player to play for the club. So that sounds like it was a, a successful loan. And he managed to stay fit, which is more important, I think. Ever since the 2018 World Cup, that's been his story. has yeah. been the injuries. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm really hoping for his sake that he he has a successful time at Lille. Um, he's a player I love, obviously. I, Having said that, I was not sure that I wanted him back at Lille, despite all of this, is just because, I guess, he would have been the Lukeba replacement and it felt a bit risky with someone with that injury history. But I think that's a, a risk Lille could probably take a bit more. And, yeah, it does hurt to see him go there. That said, in another French club's colours, it does hurt. But But I wish him all the best. I'll go through the other ones quickly. Um, Madi Kamara, back in Ligue 1, Mm. now with um, Brest. I think it's a good move. I think he's a good player. And then the last one, um, maybe an honourable mention less so because I think he's going to be a big success. But more so because I'm just interested to see how it goes. And that's Andy Diouf, who's joined Len. Um, Yeah, I watched him first for the France under-19s when he was still um, a Rennes player. And they sold him directly after that to Basel, I believe. Mm. And it seems like he's had a very successful year there. He's already back in Ligue 1. Um, and yeah, I'm just interested to see how it goes. He's, he's stepping into big shoes, which I think we'll get into in a bit. Um, but he's a good player. I really did like him for France under 19. So I'm, I'm interested to see how he goes. Yeah, it should be it should be fun to see how how he steps into those uh, very big shoes that we'll come to discuss. Um, but my <laughs> my honorable mention, um, just the one player is uh, is one that I think a lot of people expected to step up to a higher level, possibly to a Premier League side with uh, with the footsteps in the Champions League. But it's Enzo Lefay who has decided this summer to move to Chren from from Lorient. But yeah, I think Enzo Lefe is is a very is a fun player to watch. We we both obviously like him a lot, and at Ren, I'm interested to see how he fits in uh, under Genesio. I think Lovro Meyer's minutes might possibly be affected by by Lefe's uh, Lefe's move there, because I I see them as a sort of similar profiles, and obviously Ren have also got Ludwig Blas this summer, so those are two really really. Hugely and creative uh, additions. Throwing Desiree Dewey into the mix there, who kind of is both, you know, I think kind of fits in to both that more central midfield role. Exactly. And and then also can play out wide as like a wide midfielder, mm. which is how I would term Ludo Blas, although he kind of does everything. But yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, I'm not crazy about it in terms of a fit. I wish... Personally, for, for, for Enzo, I, I like the Dortmund links. I like the Napoli links a lot. Mm. I feel like he just feels like a Napoli player to me. Mm. Um, 
So I'm a bit disappointed. I also don't think you, you know, my my <laughs> bugbear with with Ren. So maybe we shouldn't get into that in the first episode of the season. But but he's not he's not he's stepping out of quite a structured yeah. um, team environment or or system, should I say, into quite an unstructured one. Um, which definitely that's an interesting aspect that I'm 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 looking out to see how he does. I think he'll still do well in it, though. Whether that team will ex- extract the most out of Enzo. I think what we see with Ren is it's the club that tends to not extract a lot out of a lot of very good players, but gets like eighty percent out of all of them, and then does well enough because you know it has some amazing maybe the second best squad in the division, but then ends up ending about seventh because they don't there's not a cohesive unit at mm. times. So I'm interested to see how Enzo does that. But now we're 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 going back into my rants about Ren and <laughs> and Genesia, so maybe we should move on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's 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 move on to to the next bit uh, of this little section. Um, so we also decided after discussing the chances that have come into the league, we'll possibly also discuss some painful exits. So a couple of players uh, that both of us feel like are a sort of painful exits for the league as a whole, and I'll probably kick us off with uh, two players from the same club who have whose exits have hurt me deeply because of just how excited <laughs> I was to to see them in action uh, in the Champions League finally. It's, of course, uh, Seko Fofana and Lois Appenda, who have both secured moves to Al Nasser and RB Leipzig, respectively. So, yeah, these two particularly hurt. I think Fofana hurts a bit more because I, I expected Appenda to leave at some point given his goal return and the shortage of really good to elite level forwards available on the market this summer. I think Fofana's exit hurts a little bit more just because of how connected he was to Lons as a, as a player and the club really adored him, like the fans really adored him. You 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 saw that in the way he was received and he was celebrated almost at his contract extension, which was which was on the pitch. You don't see that a lot these days in 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 elite level football, that um especially in, in the top five leagues at least that a player is so celebrated and almost romanticized in a way that this is our, our prince. He's he's set to stay here for, for life. It felt that way at least. But but yeah, unfortunately, uh, fortunately for him, he's getting a lot of money for his family and for, for his future. So yeah, I, I wish him the best too. Um, yeah, Seko Fofana is, is no longer in Liga, which will be a huge, huge hit to, to Lance for sure. I think Andy Diouf will be Eventually, in the future, uh, someone who Lons fans will count that they are lucky to get him because, you know, like you say, he's 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 a huge talent. But for the moment, I think Fofana's loss will be felt, and even more so, I think Openda's goals. Uh, I think they can be replaced in the aggregate with the kind of profiles that Lons have at the moment. But obviously, having that number nine presence up top is is something that cannot be directly replaced. Um, by by those aggregated players. Obviously, they have the likes of Satoka, Fulhini, and Tomaso. And I think those creative players will combine, of course, for, for a few goals here and there. I'm interested to see if they still choose to directly replace Openda this window. Uh, we haven't seen any links to any strikers as of yet. But we'll see. We'll see. There's still time in the window to go. Um, and yeah, those are sort of my painful exits. Sikofafana and... Uh, Luis Openda, Alex. Okay, so I'm going to give an honorable mention because I think maybe it was time for him to leave, but also he is Ligue 1. 
heritage, mm. and that's Alexander Jiku, someone I wanted at my club in the past. Um, I think he's off to Fenerbahce, or already left. It's going to be sad to see him go. Um, yeah, he's he's just been a stalwart in the league. Very underrated player, actually, I think. Um, he was one of the best defenders for a couple of years. And yeah, I'm going to miss him a lot. Um, always one of my favorite players. I think then next, um, are two that I kind of, I'm more sad about because I feel like they've left too early or I really saw a future for them at the clubs that they were at. And I think, let's start with Leslie Uguchuku. Him and Desiree Dua, I'm not really sure. Again, this is now leading back into Ren territory, <laughs> but I'm not sure why they're not prioritizing these talents. But yeah, I think Ren have basically sold a huge talent in, in Ugochuku for less than they should have. And I also don't like the move of Ugochuku to Chelsea because I just don't think he's ready for Chelsea. Yet. I don't think he's near ready for Chelsea. Yet. He's still a very... We use the word raw too too much, but I I think raw in um and maybe a tactical sense and still growing into the type of player he is rather than anything technical, um and you know he still has his body to grow into a little bit more though it's already he's an impressive uh, athlete, but yeah I'm not I'm not crazy about it I was hoping he had his breakout last season I was hoping this season he'd really build on it being one of the better midfielders in the league. I could mm. still see him even having, you know, two more seasons at Ren. But again, they've they've kind of sold him cheap. It reminds me of when they also sold um, Rafinha a couple of years ago for less than they should have. Yep. Yep. Then to bring in Doku. I think they sold him for about 18 million. I'm not really sure on the numbers. But they sold him for cheaper than they, A, bought him. Mm. And then B, how much they paid for Doku, who they replaced him with. Yep. And it just feels like a similar business, I think... Ren are very good at picking out what talents to buy, but sometimes, and also obviously having the financial backing, but it's gotten the way, and this is of their young talents coming through. Mm. And this is why Okuchoku wanted to leave. This is why Due apparently is also looking for an exit. But it's sad to see him leave. I do have some, I guess, um, encouragement that maybe he'll come back to Strasbourg, which I think could be a good move for him, but I think Ren would have been the best, but it is what it is. The other one surprised me. Um, and it's a, it's a move or a path we've seen before. Dion Lopi has followed the footsteps of Albel El Toure and going from wrong to Almeria. And Lopi's only gone for 8 million. This one surprised me because I really saw him as a, as an heir to, to Munetzi in many ways. Mm. I think he, he had a lot of the same qualities, Munetzi had um maybe a bit less of a ball winner but more better technically yep um also a bit less of a box crasher but you know he's only 21 all of these qualities were there and yeah I'm just surprised to see Ron let him go that easily and that soon but but yeah I mean it's hard to argue with the business that they've done coming in but that's that's one that I question going out and I wouldn't be surprised to see Loppy go for a similar, you know, increase in, in um, value and mm. transfer fee two years down the line to some Italian or English club, you know, maybe not PSG. It doesn't feel like a PSG move, but, but maybe a big French club again coming back. So weird one. And I'm sad because I, I enjoyed watching the player, but yeah. I did too. I did too. But yeah, I wish him the best. I think, yeah, really exciting young player who 
will hopefully have a, a good future in the, in the I do finals. feel that he probably pushed for it though if I'm thinking because he wasn't mm. really a starter and obviously, he wasn't this fair yeah he was but you know it was coming but it is what it is mm. yeah we move we move <laughs> okay so well, now that we've sort of discussed the sort of transfers and painful exits uh, we move on to the more fun bit that we had preparing the pod which is season predictions and some teams along the way that we are excited for so the way me and Alex did it is we divided the table into threes each. So we've gone for relegated slash should be. We've gone for super mid teams. We've gone for mid only. <laughs> we've gone for Europe aspirants, Europe actuals, and of course the top three. So, so Alex, just, yeah, where do where do you want to get started? I think we'll we'll start from the bottom. So just to be clear, this is all eighteen teams accounted for, but Ninda and myself weren't brave enough to put a league placement for each so we've put them into little groups of three as we go from 16th to 18th and 13th to 15th and we'll move our way down to third to first which does make sense because the top three obviously are champions league Mm. the next three are more european spots and then obviously the bottom three as we move down are the relegated or the the one playoff spot as well yep yep Okay, so before we get into that, let's let's take a quick break, Alex, and we'll we'll discuss the predictions right after. All right, back from the break and straight into the season predictions. Uh, but before we get into this section, listeners, we have to tell you that this is a list that we sort of came together uh, with. Sort of, it, it it's a sort of unanimous thing. Um, sort of, but also <laughs> not. So it was. Very much, um, as Alex puts it, an unenviable task putting this, uh, putting this together. But regardless, let's uh, let's kick it off with uh, with the sides that should be relegated or will be relegated uh, this season. We've gone with Nantes at eighteenth. Um, well, not necessarily last. We've just kind of put it into the three. Oh yeah. Oh sorry. Yeah. Okay. This yeah. The, the order might. You've shift. already forgotten how we're doing our own our own little table thing. Listen, I see. I sometimes lose track. You just talk too much, Alex. I'm sorry. <laughs> but anyway, so in, in the relegated or slash should be bracket, which is the 16th, 17th, and 18th position, we've gone for Nantes, who were of course one of the finalists for the uh, for the Coupe de France last season. Not super high on them because of. Them obviously losing Ludovic Blas. Alex seems to think they still have enough. I, I sort of disagree. I I think I think they've they've lost uh, a key part of their sort of attack and sort of what keeps them up in Liga is literally Ludovic Blas's creative <laughs> uh, strengths. But yeah, we'll we'll see how they do. I expect them to be down there. Um, you made the, you made the point that they scored what like twenty three goals last season, and I like did change my mind a little bit uh, on yeah, them. Um, yeah, yeah, I still think they have some nice nice players, um, but also I think Wisson has left. Um, I didn't realize he was only there on loan, mm. so I I I tend to agree with you. I still feel like they they might have enough to stay up. Maybe I'll have them as my playoff spot, but but no, I think I think you you raised some good points. I've been won over in that regard. <laughs> All right, so okay, next I think we've gone for Brest, who should also be down there. Um, yeah, I think despite some some interesting business, obviously we discussed Kamara earlier. I don't think they have enough to to stay in the league, especially compared to the pre-existing quality of the teams that are above them and around them. So I think they should also be down there. 
I think the next spot is is a bit of contention between the promoted teams, Mets and Le Havre. So, Alex, do you want to sort of take us through that? Yeah, I feel we both kind of... I mean, this is a very vibes-based season predictions, we have to say. <laughs> um, but I feel like one of them will stay up because that often happens. Mm. I think one of them and one of them will go down. Mm. So, yeah, we, with Le Havre, we've got an incredible defense from last season, but not many goals. They scored 40-something goals, but they only conceded 19. Mm. Um, in over 38 matches, which is very impressive. And then Mets scored about, what, 61 goals yep. in the league last season. Um, and obviously they have uh, Mikatadza, who, you know, sometimes you, you need that star player in the in the top flight to kind of keep you afloat, which Love don't seem to have. So that's why we've kind of, I think we both started off thinking Love would stay up and then kind of looked through through last season a bit and kind of decided Mets would be the more likely one mm. but I'm I'm not really sure this is definitely this is definitely a more vibes based part I have to say <laughs> um yeah last thing on Brest just while we're here before we move on mm. um from the relegated slash should be section as we've already kind of moved into the what they're not called the super mid which is 13th to 15th place um or you know Manchester United, but oh, okay, <laughs> well, now okay. I'm joking. That was lame. But let me move on. Um, Brest, they ended 14th last season. Um, but I think the teams that they were above have improved more so than they have. I mean, Strasbourg have made some big signings. They've got. I will get into them, but but I think that's why we kind of see Brest as kind of. They've always been just keeping their head above, and I think they might they might fall away this year. Hmm. Right, so that's this sort of relegated slash should be section covered. Now we talk about the super mid teams, which is the bracket between 13th to 15th. Of course, we've already touched on Le Havre or Mets being in there, but the two wait, other wait, teams. So, that, no, no, let me put it to you. So, which one is which one makes the super mid section for you between Mets and Le Havre? Ah, I think I think goals I think goals put you higher. So I think if Mukatadze stays at Mets, I think yeah, I I I put Mets above and I put Lahav in the in the playoff section because crucially, Lahav's top scorers last season were two players. Um, let me see if I have their names down. Um, I don't actually, but they're two they top scorers score last season. They didn't score enough for us to remember. Their yeah, names. they they didn't score enough to remember their names, but they only had six each. Which is a bit shocking, to be honest, that they managed to get promoted <laughs> with two players who only scored six goals. Which again points to the value of a good defense, of course. And we may just like be completely off the mark here. Again, like Alex said, this is a completely wide space thing. But I do expect uh, Mets to be in the super mid bracket and just keep the head above uh, above water this season. Um, now the two other teams around them in the super mid bracket. Um, first is Montpellier because. Yeah, they always are there or thereabouts in in this league, in, in mid-table places. They do just enough. Um, not a particularly interesting team to to get into at they're, this point. They're a good team for the league. They're a good team. They're, they're kind of like, I always see them as like, if the Premier League has like Burnley and now I guess Everton, you know, Montpellier is, is there in the league. And I think they'll be fine. I think they'll be safe. They've also got still a really good strike force. They've got a strong spine. They've got good, um, good midfielders. They've got good, good 
centre-backs as well. Also young players, I must say. Shota, Esteve, um, obviously Wahi up front. So, so yeah, I think they'll be, I think they'll be safe and, and comfortably so without ever necessarily, you know, challenging for the top nine or top ten spots in the league. Well, thank you for bringing the nuance to the to the pod, Alex. I I thought we were <laughs> gonna get away with with, uh, with vibes for the whole thing, but anyway, for the last team in this um, in this sort of bracket of the table, we've gone for Toulouse, which I think both of us agree sort of that they might fall off a little bit this season just because of how many players they've lost. Yeah, I uh, mean, let's talk about that. They've lost their entire midfield. Essentially, they've also changed coach. I mean, yeah, we we did a deep dive on them, but. They've they've lost Dejahira, yes, um, which was surprising. Obviously, they've lost Branko van den Boom, and I think that one we everyone saw coming. And then they've also Spearings is left on free transfer, mm. not a player I particularly rated. But they've they've now lost their midfield three. Ritao, a player who played a lot from them on the wings, has also left. Um, it's a lot of change, and it's really hard to see. Where they'll do, I think where they ended last season was around about thirteenth to fifteenth, somewhere around there. Mm. I think it was thirteenth. So I kind of see them staying the same, but yeah, we put a question mark next to Toulouse because it's it's very hard to see what they could do. It's obviously a club that feels like it should be on the up. They've just won the Coupe de France. Um, I think with Damien Comely, they've they're under good leadership, but but it's been a, and they also do a lot of interesting deals. So maybe. They've signed someone that we don't know enough about, but that'll that'll bang for them, right? Um, and obviously, they've still got lots of young talent there. I'm thinking Anthony Rolt, I'm thinking Shaibi. So, so it's, it'll just be interesting to see what they say. But I think we we kind of felt like they're gonna fall into like the thirteenth to fifteenth range. But this is the team I'm most certain could prove us wrong, either because they're completely crap and come last, <laughs> or because. We suddenly see them in eighth spots come the end of the season. For sure. I mean, I, I think uh, the departures are not only limited there. I think we could see more exits. I think Farish Shaibi has interest from, from Eintracht Frankfurt in the in the Bundesliga. So, that you know, he could be another player that is on the move just because of how many players, obviously, his teammates that he's seen depart. So, yeah, I think that uh, that could be interesting. And like you said, you know, maybe one of their deals will surprise us this summer. Time will tell. Um, let's move on quickly to the mid-only section. Um, and we've put there uh, one of the strugglers of last season, Strasbourg, who managed to stay up in the league despite struggling for a great portion of it, I must say. Um, obviously now injected with uh, a great deal of financial capital by Todd, uh, Todd Bowley and his sort of consortium. And they've made a few signings this summer, um, which I think, yeah, should should hold them uh, in good Some stead. Some big signings. Yeah. Big money signings. Big money signings, yeah. yeah. Should hold them in good stead for, for this summer. Uh, sorry, for this season. Um, and yeah, I, I think I, I think both of us sort of see them in that 10th to 12th bracket, don't we? Yeah, I also think with Vieira, again, not a coach that I've ever particularly been a fan of, but I think he does give you a certain level of solidity. He's a very good man-manager, commands a lot of respect, obviously, because of his playing career. I think because the the authoritative type of figure that he is, um, he's shown he can set up a pretty solid defense, but then at the cost of the attack, and he does tend to kind of rely on one attacker to do it all. Generally, a creative sort of wide player type. So it'll be interesting to see who he ends up relying on um, at Strasbourg. But 
but yeah, I just I see them a just adding a lot. They seem to be adding a lot of quality into the team, and b being solid enough that they'll end that tenth to twelfth range. I feel very confident that that's that's the little range that they'll end in. Yeah, crucially, um, I think they've they've still kept Habib Diallo, which is something we didn't yes. really expect this summer. Um, but again, with the capital they have now, there's no real need for them to sell him. So I suppose that's only fair that he stayed, which is ultimately good for I mean, them. We're seeing like twenty and thirteen million moves from them, which is which is crazy. It is. So, yeah, yeah. They've obviously yeah, Daddy Bolly's got them <laughs> <laughs> looking after them. But now I'll be interested to see if guys like Ugo Chukwu and mm. other Chelsea players make their way to um to Strasbourg later in the window, which is also sort of what um reaffirms my feeling of where they'll end. Mm. Now the two other teams in this bracket are two teams of contention between me and Alex. Um but yeah, so the first of them is of course um Lorient of uh, under Regis Libris. This season we expect them to sort of be in that 10th to 12th sort of bracket. Um and and yeah, uh, Alex seems to think they'll they'll be they'll be fine this season, potentially even even better than than they did last season. I think last season they finished tenth. I I struggle to see them breaking that that glass ceiling um, of of tenth spot. But um, but yeah, Alex, you had some thoughts on on Lorient. Well, to be fair, I mean, I'm I'm not saying they will break the glass ceiling of the tenth spot because they're in the tenth to twelfth range. So, mm. um, no, okay. I think let let me let you make your case first. Mm. We'll just reenact the discussion from last night. So you, you go you go ahead. So yeah, I mean just to sort of obviously because I bring the data to to the to the pod, I, I always <laughs> I am I'm always the data first guy. But what strikes me about Lorient is just how firstly they were pretty mid in attack and literally mid when I say that their underlying numbers, especially in terms of expected goals, when you look at expected goals for from open play. They were around about mid-table, 33.36 uh, expected goals and scored 33. So they took most of their chances, which is good. It's usually a good sign of a team that they're able to take their chances. But what's alarming about them is when you look at the other side of the figure, which is expected goals against, 45.43 conceded last season. So 41 goals conceded. 41 goals conceded, not a bad total at all. I mean, Monaco conceded 42, Montpellier conceded 45 absolutely fine but that 45.43 expected goals against figure is only worsened by Twa, who got relegated last season so you have and and i mean Auxerre had a better record than than Lorient so i don't think that puts that defense in the best light and as much of a uh so as much of a help um Libri's system is these are still issues around that very system that might put them in, in troubled waters this season. So, yeah, I mean, we've put them in the in the mid-only bracket, but, I mean, it, it could even be that they slip into the super mid-bracket, but maybe I'm going too far. Um, Alex, tell us why you think you are still sort of optimistic uh, on, on Lorient. I think... Look, I take a lot of your points, and I was definitely particularly shocked by the mm. by the you know expected goals against figure, which does 
dampen my expectations for them a little bit. But having said that, I still think, first of all, Reggie Lebris is a good coach, a solid coach. I think I'm, maybe I overrated him at some point, but I still think he puts together a structured side. I think also if we take into the context of what happened last season, mm. they obviously started off with quite a fairy tale start. That was always the underlying figures had them kind of as a mid-table side, mm. which is, by the way, where we have them now. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously, with, with the powers of Morphe, um, Uatara, and obviously Enzo Lefe. But I think when you rip out all of those players, Lefe stayed, but Morphe was taken, um, Uatara was taken. And then obviously, uh, Laporte at the back um, suffered a bad injury. Mm. So I think it kind of disrupted the team a lot and he struggled to kind of get it together. But if you still look at the squad, I think it's a good squad with a capable coach. Um, they got Makengo after now. He's had six months to sort of embed himself. I think he's a good, he's a big player in the league. I think he's a good player. Um, Roman Favre is back also after six months. Now he's on loan from Bournemouth, but still they've got Bamba Dieng, a player I rate, especially if they kind of play the more counter-attacking football mm. that I think Reggie Libri can really set his team up well for. Um, also, Ibrahim Akone. I, I like their keeper in um, Mbogo. There's Abujal, uh, their captain now. They've obviously, they've also still got guys like Ponzo and Awish, who are young talents. Um, and also, let me add in Eamon Curry, who seems back on loan after cutting his loan short and now he's back again. Mm. I'm not really sure what's happened there, but he seems to be back. I think there's a lot of talent across the squad still to really have them kind of safe in that 10th to 12th um, zone. And I, I just think it's a safe spot for them. I, I can see them ending, you know, around about 13th. I don't really see them making 9th at all. So I can see them kind of dropping into the super mid area these are your labels by the way <laughs> um into the super mid area but yeah I, I i think they'll be it's more likely that they end 10th to 12th probably would say around about 12th or 11th 12th yeah yeah i think that's fair i think that's fair and to sort of close off this uh, mid only bracket um i i've sort of put this team forward for this bracket and alex had a point of contention about them but i think Claremont the point Ford... of contention <laughs> <laughs> let me discuss the team alex <laughs> Let me at least mention the name team first. Uh, name of the team first. It's it's Clermont Foot, um, who last season um, finished. So they finished eighth last season, which I thought was a significant overperformance for a team of their size having just come up to to the league. But I think they will the tail before. off a little bit. Oh, yeah. oh, season before, sorry. Uh, they will tail off uh, a little bit this season and possibly finish in that tenth to to twelfth bracket. Again, my sort of confidence in this regard is because of the players, their star players that they've been able to keep. Obviously, Sarashevich Sham is is one of those players that you know is is a bit of a star for them. Um, and then at the back, you have players like Alidu Seydou, and you have their goalkeeper Moridio. Again, two very sort of strong players as part of their spine at the back. And uh, they don't have a lot of goals in the team for sure. Like uh, their top scorer last season was Grijon Kier who had just 10 goals to his name. But this is not a team that necessarily depends on that too much. I think they keep a solid spine, much like Lorient in, in, in some ways, I think. They keep a solid spine in their team. They are defensively difficult to play against. And yeah, just generally a team that will that will yeah be stubborn, stay in games for 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 a while. And then yeah, try to try to nick games here and there. 
and uh, and yeah i think i think uh, for those reasons in particular um yeah i think i'm i'm fairly certain that they'll they'll finish in that um, mid only mid only bracket yeah yeah i mean i think that's fair i think my main reason for a question was more surprised to see us still have them that high but but i didn't watch enough of clermont foot last season i think it was one of the teams alongside like monaco um maybe montpellier as well to be fair um who i watched less of but but yeah i think you make good points i also think they they've had some nice business this this summer some interesting business so i can i can see it i had it as a question mark but but you've won me over with your <laughs> facts and figures but yeah i could i kind of had i would have had them in the the super mid i think if i had to do it myself but i think nenad raises some good points so i will i will defer to his superior poll knowledge <laughs> thank you alex <coughs> sorry okay i really I'm, put you on aware that you <laughs> So that was the sort of mid-only brackets of teams between 10th and 12th. We'll now move on to the Europa aspirants, teams that we expect to be challenging for Europa League or Conference League places, but might or might not make it depending on how the season goes. But I think one team that we are fairly high on still this season is Sadurans, of course. Alex and I both really enjoyed their, their summer business this, uh, this window, uh, despite losing um, players like... Of course, Dion Lopi and and Balogun, uh, they've done well for themselves, and yeah, I think I think we see them challenging again for European places. Don't yeah, we? Yeah, I mean, I think they've done some really good business. I know I'm I'm trading over ground you've already covered, but Akumu seems like a great signing. Mm. Teddy Tuoma is a you know is is one of those slightly older signings, especially from the Belgian league that they tend to get, but a re- like a talented player who can really bring something to the squad. Um, I mean Salama, one of the best. players for a struggling team in Angers last season. Um yeah, then Wilson Abra. I think their weakest point last season was their fullbacks and he's a talented player coming through at City uh, at left back. So, I think they've added some some yeah, a lot a lot to the squad. Obviously, then we've already spoken about um Who did we already speak? Oh, Bojan. <laughs> right. I knew there was someone. Obviously, we've already spoken about Bojan and I think he's a good replacement for Balogun. I don't really see them challenging the, you know, actually being a Europa League challenger at all, but I I see them being in that in those top 9, that 7 to 9 range kind of consistently over the season. I think it's a big season for Will Still. Mm. What he was trying to do at the end of last season was really try bring a, a bit more like in possession possession based principles should i say um to the side rather than just that moving through the thirds as we spoke through earlier and there were some struggles with it but i think it, in tioma guys like slama even maybe definitely from from what we understand about bojang i think they've added players who still replaced last season's players well and fit where will still wants to take the squad so i'm very interesting i think it they'll be again the most interesting out of possession side in the league for sure as as always living up to the out of possession standards that we have come to expect of them from from the last <laughs> season uh the next team i think in this bracket that we'll see is ren <laughs> who might drop off a little bit yeah. from, from last season I, they finished I, uh, finished fourth which was 
probably a bit of an and overperformance. It was an overperformance. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not a numbers man myself, but when it comes to Ren, I'll <laughs> put myself out there. I feel like I've pulled you down with me on Ren because you initially wanted them in the Europa League, um, Europe, what you call the Europe Actuals. Yeah, yeah. Very nice name, by the way. But anyways, <laughs> I think... I just think they've done more weird business. In a way, the squad is even stronger than last season. But I also think some teams are getting stronger again. I think you look at Lyon was the second, was the third best team across the second half of last season. Um, nice with Farioli, I think they're going to have consistency. We'll see how good Farioli is. I think we feel high on Farioli mainly based off reputation because neither of mm. us have watched Farioli. Yep. Um, but we feel like they'll get stronger again. Um, Lille are also on the up. I think Lille underperformed last season. So these are teams that Ren ended ahead of that I feel, despite them getting a stronger squad, I still think they're hampered by who their coach is, to be honest. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. I, I, I'm, I'm not a fan of Ren's business. Maybe they can yeah make a mockery of me again, I guess. But... But that's where that's where I stand with them. I just think it's going to be a competitive, a competitive year, and I can see them very easily finishing around eighth, seventh. Maybe, maybe, yeah, we'll see. But talking of competitive, we're probably the most controversial takers. We've put Monaco in this in this group, and I don't know when the last time they ever even saw seventh place was. But when was the last time? Actually, wait. <laughs> Yeah, while you Google that, Alex, I, I think I'm, I'm reflecting more on the controversialness of, of us predicting Monaco finishing in this bracket is that I was just looking through some of the underlying numbers from last season. And this is something that I probably should have done when we were discussing this yesterday. But guess what? After PSG, who scored 89 goals last season, Monaco were the second highest scoring team in the league. 70 goals. I, I know this, though. But this is why I was shocked by you putting them... Also, 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 in, in contrast, they conceded 58 goals, which is only what the, so that's the, I don't know, it's it's close to close to the relegated teams uh, in terms of defensive record. Uh, Strasbourg and Montpellier conceded more, and all the, obviously, uh, relegated teams conceded more than that. But yeah, they their defense was pretty, pretty dire last season. And now they've lost Desasi as well, so that should be... Uh, that should be something to keep an eye on how that impacts the defense overall. Um, but yeah, I think my sort of my argument for them sort of falling off this season is that they probably haven't improved as much in terms of their squad as the other teams around them have. So they haven't made transformative signings as such. So this replaced Disasi with Saliso, which is, yeah, fair enough. I can see the value in that. But are they really taking that next step i'm not sure so yeah so the last time that they finished in this bracket was the 2019-20 season oh so not that long ago yeah not that long ago i thought it was actually the season before when they Mm. ended 17th which is obviously quite a you know an outstanding (laughs) season in a way in a bad way Um, (laughs) but yeah no i i agree with you that they're in this in this bracket i think we'll see how adi hutter does i liked him for Frankfurt to be honest I know people dear to this pod don't rate Adi Hutter at all um but I mean I liked I liked them for a couple seasons 
ago at Frankfurt. But but having said that, yeah, they do lack quality. I think they've got a good midfield still. Yusuf Fofana, mm. um, Kamara. Then they've got Ben Seguir, who should kick on. So they've got some talents in around the midfield and the attack. But yeah, we'll we'll see how they how they do this season. I don't think it's too controversial that they will. They ended sixth last season, so I don't think it's too controversial to be honest. Um, again with other teams strengthening. But yeah, it's still yeah seventh place. I would say probably for them. Yeah, maybe eighth. Yeah, we'll see. We will see. We'll see. I think yeah. Again, depends on obviously these are predictions that we're making with the existing knowledge that we have now, and again on the basis of the business they've done and the the past season performance so i mean they could very well surprise us but we'll see we'll see but they un- they underperformed last season hey they were probably like the fourth best team or something over the course of the season i remember mm-hmm. Let me or am i wrong am i completely wrong so if you look at expected goal difference per 90 um they were the ninth best team in the league Oh, really? Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Never mind. I think they're completely back. Should we... Let's see if Strasbourg can maybe push up into... No, I'm joking. Yeah, we'll leave, we'll leave it at that. We'll okay, I feel a lot more comfortable. I don't know why they... I guess this is what happens when you don't watch enough Monaco. You don't know how shit they are. Yeah. Um, but shall we move on? To Europe to... actuals. Yes. yes. Now, this is where Alex's uh, sweetheart, Leon, come into the picture. Um, I had to fight for them to be yes, put in here yes. ahead of Ren. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we expect uh, Leon to be there. Alex, tell us, tell our listeners why. Why do you expect uh, them to be in this bracket? So I think I think I don't really see us challenging top three next season. I feel there's a pretty hard cap under Laurent Blanc. But having said that, I still think we have one of the most talented squads, probably a top four squad in the league. Um. We'll see if that changes. This my prediction here changes a lot depending on who we keep and sell. Um, but yeah, we were the third best team across the second half of last season. We have guys who are exploding in Shirky, in Barcola. Um, we'll see if Lacazette can repeat last season's um, star performances. Right, I think that is a big question mark and one I'm not totally sure on. I think the backup to him is rather weak in Amin Saar. Yeah, DNC has been on our on our ass, um, much to the chagrin of um of our new owner, John Texter. But despite that, I think we've done some good business. In terms of the players we've brought in, I really like the Clinton Mata deal. I think he's an experienced player that I really thought was destined for a Premier League move a couple seasons back. He's a right back. Um but now he's yeah, he's moved, he's left Belgium, he's joined um Lyon. And I think he's a nice one who can really challenge Kumbedi, start ahead of Kumbedi initially, maybe, but not really block his pathway. So I think we've we've signed who we needed to there. Um obviously I already spoke about Scaly Alviro, nice player. Ainsley Maitland Niles, someone else I know very well, he's joined us. And that, it's interesting in both Scaly and Ainsley Maitland Niles, I think we've got good players in but neither really addresses the the defensive midfield um that sort of sitting six that we wanted i'm interested to see if ainsley maiton niles can do it when he first sort of broke through um i remember a performance years ago when he was 19 versus southampton in the 
in the League Cup where he impressed me so much as as the the lone DM. And if he can really tap into that, um, I think we would be in good stead. He's a good athlete. He he struggles with his first touch sometimes, but other time otherwise he's very good technically. So so yeah, a good player would love to see him be our penalty taker as well. He's a fantastic penalty taker, just as an aside. And then we've also signed Chileta Char. I'm not that big a fan. And if we end up losing Lukeba and he's the Lukeba replacement, then I feel a lot worse about our defense this season. Um, but yeah, I guess it's one to see. The way we're we're stacked up now, I think we we could, you know, we're definitely a European League place if we perform as we should, which I think Laurent Blanc doesn't really make us a team greater than the sum of our parts, but he can, he can get us to that level. So... So yeah, I'm interested to see how we do. I think we'll do much better than we have in current in previous seasons, but maybe not really challenge properly to be a Champions League team for 24-25. The, there you go. That's uh, that's our thoughts on, on Leon, courtesy of Alex. I think the another team that we see in this bracket is, of course, um, Nice this season, who have a new coach. They have a couple of new players. Um, and yeah, I think last season was a bit of a transition season for them. Of course, losing Favre in the first part of the season. Then Didier Degas bringing a bit of sort of stability to, to the table. And I think, yeah, doing well to maybe bring him to, to ninth place, even though they sort of were maybe pushing to finish a bit higher. Uh, but they finished ninth, which I think is a is an underperformance on, on their squad quality, which is, which is definitely, I think, Europa actual sort of quality. I, I can easily see them sort of finish either in a Europa League spot or in the Conference League spot as well. Obviously, they've got Boga this season. Combine Boga's talents with with the recognized talents of someone like Terum Moffi, who, of course, has his own star quality as a number nine. I think you are looking at a very, very um, potent mixture of players who can, who can yeah, do the business for you. And maybe push Nice to a to a higher finish this season. What are your thoughts on that, Alex? Yeah, I think this is another case where we should have put a question mark next to it because we don't know how far Real is going to do. It's an exciting mm. appointment though, um, but I think they have a very good squad, and I think maybe a bit of direction and consistency will be good for them. Um, not that Didier Diga did badly when he came in last season, but I think. After the initial couple of performances, it did become clear that he was a coach to settle the ship, right? Rather than rather than to take them to the next level. And I think Farioli hopefully can do that. Um, there's a lot of talent to tap. Um, there's a lot of talent to tap into. So so yeah, I expect Nice to be in those fourth to sixth brackets. To be honest, I in terms of ceiling, I think I could see them being the best competitor for the top three, but I don't know if that's just me basing, basing what I've heard of for early, um, and taking it too far. But we'll see. I think I think this is a, a nice spot for them, fourth to sixth, that sort of range. For sure, for sure. I think to finish off this section, uh, probably more disappointingly so that we put this team in this bracket. Uh, we put Lons in this in this bracket of uh, fourth to sixth places. Of course, they finished last season. Um, and in second, probably the most closest competitor to PSG, just finishing one one point away from. I do think that's a bit of a 
It's the same way that Arsenal finished so close to to Man City because you know once the other it's the true two, it's PSG true. and City both dropped off yeah after no. winning it but but no it's true they did just come one point and if you if you compare the the financial power of each oh, behind yeah. each it's just it's uh, crazy in terms of what they got point for point but but yeah I think we have them. I kind of feel like they're going to end around fourth or fifth this this coming season. Unfortunately, mm. a lot of it just depends on how the replacements do. But to be fair, I think it was last season that I also expected Lance to drop off a little bit, and instead they actually got stronger. So I expected them to kind of fall to like sixth or seventh from where they were, and instead they ended up second. So this could be a case of of myself doubting them again. I don't know how much Nenad is with me on this, um, but but I think it could be it could be a case of that, but it it is a hard trick to do again, and I think they've lost even bigger pieces. I mean, Klaus was a huge piece to be fair, Kalimundo was a big piece, and that's sort of what um informed my opinion. But then Seko was the heart of the team. Openda, the goals, yeah, you know his production is huge, and that's that's not always an easy thing to find, but. I'm I'm hoping to be proved wrong. I'm hoping Andy of more than fills um more than fills Seko's boots, but I think yeah, it's not something to be expected. So I do think they'll drop off a bit. No, I agree. I I largely agree with that. I think especially when you consider the added pressure of playing Champions League football every week, um every other week, sorry. Uh, once the once the Champions League season kicks off, that will bring its own challenges because um. I you know last season they didn't have any of those European tensions. They had they could you know focus on the league and maximize the performances yeah, in, in that point. way. Um, but yeah, this season it'll be it'll be interesting to see how they sort of manage that tricky balance um, between league football and European football. So let's finish this off with uh, we're talking about the top three, and I think despite the improvements that we've seen from teams around them in the league. Alex, I think we're on the same page about Paris Saint-Germain finishing, finishing yeah, again. Yeah, let's get that. Paris Saint-Germain will win. They may even have a shit season, but they will win the league, I think. I think, honestly, last season was more going into it. It was, even without expecting Lance to do as well, I think I, I thought maybe some teams could challenge them. Um, um but I think I think this season I just think that they'll they'll win it. Unfortunately, I would love for someone not any club not named Marseille to to win it ahead of them. But <laughs> but unfortunately, that I don't think that's on the cards. So I think PSG will win it, probably comfortably, even if they don't have Mbappe, even if they don't have Neymar. They've just got a lot of talent in that team. I mean, on that note, what do you think of their business? Though so I think we we kind of touched on it a bit with Gonzalo Ramos, but there's been some. Again, for me, like a weird case of like adding a lot of quality, but not always making the most sense. Like, where does Uga really fit in? Uga fit in um, as the lone DM. I don't really see him as that. Um, are they making space for Warren Zaya Emery? Guys like Fabian Ruiz, who, who were big signings in, in a sense last season, already feel like yesterday's news. Um even Lucas Hernandez, it's it's just it's it's lots of like good players, but the business doesn't feel super co- coherent. You know, even going from I think, I guess it was it was a tough striker market supposedly, but going from like Rasmus Hoyland to 
to Gonzalo Ramos is is interesting. I mean, Ekitike is already known as not you know available for twenty million, so they're selling him at a loss. Um, and then obviously they've they've signed Xavi Simons, who's now on loan, but they already had who they sent in the same window, Kang and Lee. Um, so it's 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 an interesting window where I feel. They've added lots of cool players. It's something I think you should expect out of Luis Campos. But again, I think something that you've seen with Luis Campos in the past, particularly at his time at Monaco, is that he doesn't always... He signs lots of cool players. I think Florian Maurice um, of Rennes has the same problem. Lots of cool players, but not always the most coherent way in which they fit together. And I, I still... That's where I stand with them. I know you're a little bit more positive on their business. Well, now that you've said all that, now I'm less positive. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, no, I agree. I think I agree with everything you said there. It does feel like there's uh, less coherence in, in the business that they've done. But I think in terms of securing um, a strong spine for the future of the team, they've done well in bringing in the players that they have done. Um, of course, um, you know, one one other player that we sort of forgot to mention earlier is, is of course, Skriniar. Alongside Lucas Hernandez, no, two big, two big names to add into the back. So I'm expecting, uh, or at least they're expecting, I think, that maybe Kimpembe will leave at some point. Possibly will. I mean, you can't be signing these big name defenders unless you're expecting one of your current big names to depart. So, yeah. Well, I guess you haven't met PSG because they often do this. And <laughs> they pull it out later. Well, that's true. That's true. They did sign, uh, <laughs> sign Donnarumma when they had uh, Kelo Navas. So... Yeah, um, there you go. But yeah, I think I think I'm a little bit more high on, particularly the the future readiness of of this team now, um, to to challenge not not just challenge obviously to dominate Liga for for the seasons to come. And with Gonzalo Ramos, I think uh, outside of the deals that they've done for the rest of the window, I think Gonzalo Ramos signing him, particularly with the way the number nine market is at the moment, I think that's a huge plus for them. Uh, securing a number nine, um, given how how the prices are at the moment, we're seeing for Victor Awesome in 120 million, 135 million even I think, uh, um, and then you have a Flo Balogun who is available for 50 million. You have Rasmus Hoyland who went to United for 85 million after just half a season of being a starter at Atalanta. So in that context, I think you're getting a really, really good player in Gonzalo Ramos. And I think that just um, adds another star to sort of PSG's window that, you know what, well done. You signed a sensibly good player for yourself uh, for once. So yeah, well done on that. And yeah, for those reasons, I'm I'm a little bit uh, positive about uh, PSG's transfer outlay this summer. But yeah, like you said, it's not very coherent. And so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how, how Luis Enrique works all this out, who his front three will be, mm-hmm. whether Neymar and Mbappe are part of those plans for the for the rest of the season. We don't know yet. So it could very well be Kanjin Lee, Gonzalo Ramos, Asensio as starting uh, as the starting front three. Still a huge amount of on-ball quality there in Kanjin Lee and Asensio. And then, of course, you've got the finishing ability of Ramos. So yeah, all in all, I think those are the reasons. I'm not gonna how, lie. That sounds yeah. by PSG standards. That sounds like a bit of a dire front three, but it does. Yeah, but, to be fair, it does. Yeah, given but, our financial power. But yeah, no, yeah. I take your point. I, in a way, they're I not think superstar be... names. They're not superstar names. That's the thing. They're not superstar names that we've been accustomed to seeing from PSG. But hmm. 
maybe for now they're the sensible names. So yeah, we'll Perhaps. see. Perhaps I, I mean I, I take that point. Yeah, take nah, that point. let's let's discuss the rest of the uh, teams that we expect uh, to be pushing PS3 this season. Um, we expect Leo to be up there. Um, perhaps taking a step further from their performances last season under Fonseca. Alex, why are we so positive about uh, about Leo? So numbers guy, didn't they underperform their their XG quite a bit last season? Let me look that up while you tell our listeners more. I just think I've always been a fan of Fonseca. Um, and I think they were really playing some good stuff last season, particularly I think they ended... The second half of the season was really good, consistent. Maybe not always getting the same results that they deserved. That's why I think they underperformed. But they're an attractive team. I think they've not done that much business yet, but I'm expecting them to do some business. They signed some guy from... Some Haraldson guy for 15 million. Um, I wish I wasn't as much of a casual with the, the Scandinavian <laughs> leagues as I am nowadays because I used to watch them a lot, but... This is the state of where I am. Um, but then also MTT, I think, could come off really well. I think keeping the players that they have will do well. I think Jonathan David staying, obviously, with a huge price tag that I wouldn't expect anyone to pay for him. But I think that's a good that's a good bit of business to do. I think if they could sell him and get someone like Balogun instead, would maybe be even better. But um, but I think it's, it's good business. I, they've not weakened... Um, yeah, I, I'm expecting them to do better. I think a second season with Fonseca, now they're going into the season all knowing their roles. Um, I think they should hope to get back Andre Gomes because he was good for them last season. I'm not sure what's happening there. So they probably do need a little bit of reinforcement, but I kind of trust it'll happen. And yeah, honestly, I just think they're they're a bit further ahead in their project than some other clubs like Lyon and Nice, um, maybe even Monaco. Whereas then clubs like Lance, I think, are falling off a little bit. That kind of means that they'll come into to, to third. Yeah, yeah. I mean, talking about the underlying numbers last season, you mentioned their underperformance. Um, so last season, they, they underperformed by six goals uh, in terms of the non-penalty XG. So, yeah, I think not significant uh, underperformance, like especially sure. when you consider the context of Nice and Rance. Rance underperformed by... Minus seventeen point two, so that's that. Those are significant numbers. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think yeah, still worth mentioning that they did underperform a little bit last season. And yeah, I think keeping someone like Jonathan David, even though he personally may not want to stay, he sees himself at a bigger club. But I think ultimately him staying could could yeah potentially uh, translate into a I don't know a title push of some shape or form this season from them. And particularly when you consider the, like like you said, you know, the context of Fonseca's second season and the stability that they have as compared to the teams around them, like Marseille are changing. Lons have a lot to deal with in terms of losing players on the pitch. Maybe we could see Lille take advantage of the of the somewhat chaotic nature of, of the teams around them. So that being said, let's talk about the final team that we expect to be in the top three is Olympique de Marseille. Uh, who have this season changed coaches. They have also made significant business this summer. We already talked about Ismail Assar, Ilman Ndiaye. They've brought back Pierre-Emerick to, to the league, to the league, which should be uh, a fun return, I think, for for us as, as Ligue 1 enjoyers. And 
Have I missed out on anyone else? I don't think they've, they've signed anyone else, have they? Oh, they've signed Kondogbia. Kondogbia. Yeah. Of course, Joffrey Kondogbia. So that's that's a good sign. And then well. they've also signed, did you say, Renan Lodi at left back? I did, yes, I did. I did. Renan Lodi at left back to oh, replace Nuno Tavash. <laughs> Thank you for that, Alex. So yeah, uh, some some decent business there. I'm bringing in Marcelino from from uh, his sort of La Liga-based environment. Um, yeah, how do you see this panning out for, for Marseille, Alex? I know we have them in, in the top three bracket, but yeah, how do you see the season going, go? I have no clue, to be honest. I think we have them here largely because we were very much not sure where to put them. And mm. it kind of feels like maybe they should do... They have a very good squad, I think. And they have they have a seasoned squad, too, which I think is important um, compared to the other teams. They've got some some yeah some experienced players that are very good um guys in Bemba, Rangier um even moving a little bit forward they've obviously lost guys like Payet which is a big loss and Alexis Sanchez who decided to leave and I'm not sure why I think he should have stayed but um but I think they've they've done well um and I think Marcelino I like him as a coach not sure he's a weird he's a weird change i guess but so is yeah so is tudor from sampioli <laughs> both also in terms of personalities was a weird change i think now going from tudor to marcelino yeah is an interesting one but but yeah i'm ready for the marcelino era we'll <laughs> nice <laughs> nice i think that should be uh, the title uh, for future pod episode of the yeah. di- the deep dive yeah <laughs> but no i think i think um i think they'll probably they're good money there but i have to say as is always the case with such a volatile club i wouldn't be surprised to see them in a bracket lower mm. um i think they have too much quality to to be in that 7th to 9th um and especially, I think experience is an important thing that they have. Um, even guys like Ren and Lodi, Kondogbio are coming in. They're bringing that as well. Then they've got guys like Unahi who've now had a settled in period. Mm-hmm. We'll see what happens with Malinovsky. But, um, and I'm not sure, there haven't really been rumors, but it feels like Guendouzi's a bit the odd man out. And I'm not sure Marcelino will be a massive fan of Guendouzi, I think. But but yeah, we'll see we'll see what happens. Um, I think I think they're good money for second, third as well. Yeah, adding to the experience that they already have, I think they have a couple of um, interesting loanees coming back. Papa Gave coming back from Sevilla, uh, who could have a part to play if if they decide to keep him. And Isak Toure as well, of course. I yeah. think one player that we're... Uh, I'm annoyed at myself for forgetting him. <laughs> Isak Toure coming back uh, from his loan spell at Auxerre, which in which I think he fairly was was impressive really good and showed really his good. qualities um to be ready to take that next step at marseille interesting to see if, if marcelino does give him give him that opportunity yeah i feel so, like he was primed yeah. for a role under tudor which is also mm. another sadness of, of him leaving but yeah but yeah i think this is i think i think he could find his way in also i it is worth saying this is a club i think that has consistently been on the up Mm. under um Longoria even with all the weird and maybe overly opportunistic business and the coach leaving every year they've still managed to be on a stable upwards trajectory so there you go listeners I think that rounds out 
our 18 for Liga on this season, our season predictions. We'll definitely come back to this um, at the back end of the season and see how... I think it might be quite embarrassing, but... It will be, it will be, but we'll do it. <laughs> Listen, we, it's, it's not like embarrassing ourselves is a new thing for us here at the pod. We, we do it, we do it for a living, but... Uh, <laughs> but... <laughs> But yeah, on that uh, on that note, Alex, uh, any final words for our listeners? Um, no, I'm looking forward to to kicking this off with you again. Um, obviously, I think future pods will be a lot more going back to our very research and you know, I think the docs that we end up putting out are very very long. But mm. I'm excited to do that with you. It's always a pleasure. So I'm looking forward to. Yeah, it's a kicking off the season. And I'm hoping that we are at least somewhat right with this come the end of the season. Um, we put it together last night before we went to sleep <laughs> with some one or two like heated-ish, not heated discussions because then that's too nice. But, but yeah, one or two contentious, you know, some back and forth. So hopefully, hopefully us joining together comes together nicely, as does our season um, for everybody's eats. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Well, listeners, thank you so much for sticking with us to the end of this uh, comeback episode of the 23-24 season. And yeah, we look forward to bringing you a lot of uh, deep dive episodes and a lot of other exciting episodes that we have planned coming for the rest of the season. And yeah, uh, stay tuned for the start of the season. It should be a good one. Take care, everyone. See you next time.